Welcome back to Reading Pages. My name is Paige, your host for this podcast where I talk all about the books I've read. If you would like to read along with me, I post which book I'm reading prior to the release of the episode on the Instagram at Reading Pages Podcast. So be sure to grab your favorite drink and your book and let's get into it. Hey guys, welcome to episode number two of the Reading Pages podcast. Oh my gosh, how exciting. (laughs) Guys, I cannot get the intro down. I don't know what to say in the beginning of these things without it being so awkward. I've tried multiple times, but I'm done trying. We're We're just giving up and we're starting the episode. So how are you guys doing? How are things? I'm doing okay. Not the best though, actually. It snowed so much today and it was gloomy all day. Not that I'm blaming my bad mood on the weather because I don't think you should really do that, but it does low-key affect me. I do miss the sunshine. I definitely am craving like the beach or just being tan and oh oh my gosh, I miss that. But what can you do? Just out here trying to be grateful for what I have in the moment. Um, today we're going to be talking about the book called Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, the queen. I read this book, actually I listened to it on Audible back in like freshman, sophomore year, and I was a freshman, sophomore year in high school, but I just reread it and I really was moved this book definitely changed my mindset on a lot of things because I didn't really know how much I liked creating stuff. Like I didn't, I could never put a name or a description to how I felt in terms of creativity and everything because I, you know, I made YouTube videos. I mean, I made YouTube videos like every other month, you know, (laughs) because I was lazy and just I was busy with doing school homework basketball all this stuff like hanging out with friends and everything I just didn't think of myself as like an artsy person at all really I was just normal and art was like on the other side of the world you know what I mean I I just knew that when I was younger I really liked art class and that was pretty much it. That was the extent of thinking of myself as an artsy person. But after reading that book, it totally changed my outlook on things. And it made me realize like, dude, I am actually a creative person and everyone in this world on this planet is a creative person. And it's all just about like, honing in that creativity and having the courage to go after it and explore it and create and just create stuff. That's basically what it comes down to. I would describe this book as kind of self-help in a way, but obviously with a huge focus on everything. Creative tips on how to sort of live this creative life. And that doesn't necessarily mean quitting your job and like 
becoming a painter. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to dedicate your entire life to creativity and making stuff, being an author or a musician or a dancer, anything like that. And I like that about the book, how she treats creativity as something that is not profitable. I mean, in a way, obviously you can make money off of what you create and that is a goal for most people, but I really enjoy the way that she goes about it and how it is so much more and not about the monetary value or the success or the fame or all these superficial ways of of validating art and making it, you know, seem good just because it was made by this certain person or just because it had this monetary value connected to it. Um, She does a great job of talking about art in a very motivating way. Like, you should just do art because you love it. And that is what the main message I took away from it. I mean, everyone reads things and interprets them differently. So someone could read the same book and just think completely different thoughts from it, which is the beauty of the human race. (laughs) Um, But see, this is why, like, when I say stuff like that, I'm like, wait, I should not have a podcast right now. I should not be recording because I say stupid stuff like that. But I guess we're just going to have to deal with it because I can't keep on refilming and re-second guessing everything I say. So we're moving on. Um, Let's just jump right into some quotes and things that I found super fascinating and interesting in the book. So the book is sectioned off into six sections, courage, enchantment, permission, persistence, trust, and divinity. So starting off with courage, I really enjoyed the doubts that she wrote in italics. Um, Basically, she says they're a list of some of the many ways in which you might be afraid to live a more creative life. And I think it's important to identify these because she hits the nail on the head and it's only about a page or so worth of doubts. And it just goes to show that there is a bottomless list of fears that just make creative living and sharing what you create so scary. And it is... oh. It's like actually crippling to me. It's very scary to show stuff that you pour your heart and soul into because it's just so vulnerable and there's so many excuses you can make. But these are the things that keep us away from reaping all the benefits and lessons learned from actually jumping in and taking the leap into living a more creative life. And also, first up, I want to talk about creativity and the word creative and all. I don't necessarily like that word because I feel like it's overused now and it's just so 
I don't know, I want to say cringe a little bit. I feel like it's the word self-care. I am so on board with the whole message of self-care, but it's just, I don't know. I see people like brushing their teeth and girls are like, it's important to take care of yourself. Like, do we need to put a name to that? I don't know. I don't know, putting a face mask on and everything. Like, every doing the most simple task is self-care. And I feel like creativity kind of goes along with the word self-care in my mind. Just kind of cringe and a little... It's kind of lost its beauty and its meaning, I feel like, in a certain way. But nonetheless, I still use the words because I know people kind of know what I'm talking about when I say them. So for the sake of that, we're going to keep using the word just want to, I don't know why I'm telling you guys this, just want to get that off my chest before we begin, because this book is all about creativity, and I will be saying the word creative nine million times. So, getting into the doubts, I like how she writes them out. Um, the little sub chapter is called Scary, Scary, Scary. On page 13, we begin. You're afraid you have no talent. Me. <laughs> I'll be adding in my small little blurbs like that. Um, you're afraid you'll be rejected or criticized or ridiculed or misunderstood or worst of all, ignored. Facts. You're afraid there's no market for your creativity and therefore no point in pursuing it. Again, facts. You're afraid somebody else already already did it better. You're afraid everybody else already did it better. You're afraid somebody will steal your ideas, so it's safer to keep them hidden forever in the dark. You're afraid you won't be taken seriously. You're afraid your work isn't politically, emotionally, or artistically important enough to change anyone's life. You're afraid your dreams are embarrassing. You're afraid that someday you'll look back on your creative endeavors as having been a giant waste of time, effort, and money. You're afraid you don't have the right kind of discipline. You're afraid you don't have the right kind of workspace or financial freedom or empty hours in which to focus on invention or exploration. You're afraid you don't have the right kind of training or degree. You're afraid you're too fat. (laughs) That one I kind of thought was funny, but like low-key true. Um, You're afraid of being exposed as a hack or fool or a narcissist. You're afraid of upsetting your family with what you may reveal. You're afraid of what your peers and coworkers will say if you express your personal truth aloud. You're afraid of unleashing your innermost demons, and you really don't want to encounter your innermost demons. You're afraid your best work is behind you. You're afraid you never had any best work to begin with. You're afraid you neglected your creativity for so long that now you can never get it back. You're afraid you're too old to start. You're afraid you're too young to start. You're afraid because something went well in your life once, so obviously nothing can ever go well again. You're afraid because nothing has ever gone well in your life, so why bother trying? You're afraid of being a one-hit wonder. You're afraid of being a no-hit wonder. (laughs) That, okay, that's just like only a few suggestions, but I can definitely relate to literally every single one of those no joke, every single one I have thought in my head. And I want to talk about creativity a little bit in terms of me and kind of like my creative journey.
so talking about YouTube first, that's, I guess, the biggest creative outlet for me. Video making, video editing, it's the thing that I know the best and has been my way of self-expression. For most of my young adults, tween, teenage years, but now that I'm 19 years old, I've definitely been dipping my toes into all different types of art, specifically painting, but we'll get into that later on. I discovered YouTube in, I want to say, was I in sixth grade? I think I was in sixth grade, and I had a little white iPad mini with a purple case around it, and that's when I went full-on obsessed, completely in love with watching YouTube videos. So this was the OG YouTubers like Bethany Moda and Makeup by Mandy 24 and Stila Bay Bo 9 or whatever. Um, Alicia Marie too. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, like the original YouTube, the beauty guru community, I, I guess you could call it that, whatever the heck that was. I was obsessed, completely infatuated with YouTube and wanted to be those YouTubers so badly. I would lie in my room and watch YouTube all the time. Like in the in the dead of night, I would steal my iPad mini because we weren't supposed to like have it at night and I would watch YouTube videos underneath my covers and it was, it was intense. I was a savage back then. <laughs> um, but yeah, completely fell in love with YouTube. We get it, Paige. Let's move on with the story. Um, I made videos here and there a little bit and never, obviously never posted them. And then I think I was, oh geez, I should know the details of this before I tell this story, but I was probably, I don't know, freshman in high school when I made my first travel vlog. Our family went to California. We go there every summer to visit my grandparents and I vlogged that trip and uploaded it to YouTube. So that was the start and I completely loved it. So much fun. Freaking oh my gosh. It's just so amazing to create videos. I love it so much. I can't even describe it. It just makes me so happy. I I'm in my flow state when I'm editing. Everything is just so good. I mean, I'm kind of romanticizing it a little bit. There's a lot of bad things about it. And we'll go into that. The troubles of creativity is very real and relevant. And it definitely does suck and, like, hurt sometimes. Physically, it pains me and takes a lot out on me sometimes. Okay, we're moving on. But, um, then I uploaded that video. Didn't tell anyone obviously, because I was insecure as heck. I mean, it's so scary to put a lot of work and love into something and show it to people. Oh my gosh, so scary. Just like we said when we were talking about all the fears of this, like showing people what you make is very vulnerable and it's one of the scariest things ever because it's like there's no really right answer there's no there's there's no because it's like you don't want the person 
to be like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing, blah, 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 like you're a genius because, you know, the inner demon inside of you is like, oh my gosh, shut up, they're literally capping, they're faking this, and then if they say you suck, then you're like, F you, oh my gosh, like you're so pissed off and sad and everything, and you think that you'll never be anything in life and just it's this huge emotional roller coaster with creating things and that's why I like this book so much because it just dives deep into the roller coaster that is creativity so anyways (laughs) yo I'm the worst at telling stories even though I literally have a podcast (laughs) someone stop me So fast forward a couple of years, I kind of, you know, post here and there, whatever. People at school know that I make videos. It's not really a secret. And I'll talk about that too. People were pretty nice to me. I mean, I don't know what people said behind my back, but to my face, everyone was pretty nice. Because I I went to an all-girls school, so there wasn't any mean boys because I feel like the content that I make is more for girls, so I can see how boys would be like, what the heck is this? Um, But yeah, I mean, everyone was relatively nice and supportive of my videos. Like I said, who knows what they would talk about behind my back, but I had a lot of insecurities rooted in myself so I think if someone else were to come up to me and tell me that my videos sucked and and what I was making was awful I think I would have cried and stopped period (laughs) so I'm glad people were nice to me I mean it wasn't all smooth sailing I feel like my parents were the biggest (laughs) non-supporters I mean love my parents love them to death And they definitely support me and they want the best for me deep down inside. But they just didn't get it. And I still don't think they get it. I still think they think that the videos I make are really weird and pointless and like stupid. So yeah, that was kind of where it was tough. Because obviously you want your parents to be proud of you and everything. And I kind of felt like I was disappointing them and they were thinking I was weird and um, like my mom is very anti-social media she's like she just doesn't understand why anyone would post what's happening in their life because she just like does not care at all so being a youtuber where you make these productions all based around your life essentially if you make vlogs and stuff like that she just was like what like why is this a thing and some people don't understand it and that's the thing with art and with music whatever I mean when I say art and stuff I include all types of art forms some people just don't get it and some people never get it and that's okay nothing is wrong with that it's the people that get it you gotta just do it for the people that understand it I mean do it for yourself that's the main thing and we'll get into that I have a quote let's just go let's just jump right in I need to stop going off the rails and get back to the books
So speaking about the idea of doing things for yourself and only for yourself, I like what she writes in the section about permission under the subheading motives on page 98. (laughs) Here we are sending our sources, guys. Don't come at me. Um, I'm just going to read the little excerpt that I want to do. All right. Oh, and here's another thing. You're not required to save the world with your creativity. Your art not only doesn't have to be original, in other words, it doesn't always have to be important. For example, whenever anybody tells me they want to write a book in order to help other people, I always think, oh, please don't. Please don't try to help me. I mean, it's very kind of you to want to help people, but please don't make it your sole creative motive because we will feel the weight of your heavy intention and it will pull a strain upon our souls. It reminds me of this wonderful adage from the British columnist Catherine Whitehorn. You can recognize the people who live for others by the haunted look on their faces of the others. I would so much rather that you wrote a book in order to entertain yourself than to help me. Or if your subject matter is darker and more serious, I would prefer that you made your art in order to save yourself or to relieve yourself of some great psychic burden, rather than to save or relieve us. I once wrote a book in order to save myself. I wrote a travel memoir in order to make sense of my own journey and my own emotional confusion. All I was trying to do with that book was figure myself out. In the process, though, I wrote a story that apparently helped a lot of other people figure themselves out, but that was never my intention. And then down the page it says consider this very book for example which you are right now holding in your hands big magic is obviously a self-help guide right but with all due respect and affection i did not write this book for you i wrote it for me i wrote this book for my own pleasure because i truly enjoy thinking about the subject of creativity it's enjoyable and useful for me to meditate on this topic if what i've written here ends up helping you that's great and i will be glad That would be a wonderful side effect. But at the end of the day, I do what I do because I like doing it. (sighs) Okay, also, context. The memoir she's talking about, I don't know if I mentioned, um, Elizabeth Gilbert wrote Eat, Pray, Love. If you guys know that book, it's a very famous memoir. I'm actually reading it right now. It's really good so far. Super funny. Um, she like travels to Europe and Indonesia and all this place and all these places in order to discover herself after she breaks up with her husband and whatnot. Um, but yes, this whole idea of doing stuff for yourself. Oh my gosh. This podcast, literally this podcast, I'm doing this for myself. Sorry. Um, I mean, That's why I could not care less who listens, how many people listen. I mean, sure, it would be great if my podcast was number one on the charts and I was making tons of money. But like at the end of the day, it's it's not about that. It's literally just about doing stuff because you like to do it. It's so crazy, this world we live in. I feel like here I am getting all big and philosophical typical for me when I'm just you know talking in my head as I am right now but everything is for this certain external validation I feel like I mean in high school at least where I went to high school everything is freaking about college everything is about getting into college nobody actually does stuff because they want to do things nobody actually does stuff 
without thinking about the possible external rewards that it could give you. You know what I mean? Like people choose what they want to do based off of, oh, will this make me look a certain way? Will this make me look original? Will this make me look more put together, more productive? Will this make me look like a good candidate for a job or or a good applicant? All this stuff, like why can't we just do stuff because we genuinely like to do it? Like this podcast, what is this gaining me? So much. I could list all the benefits of it, but from an external societal standpoint, a podcast where like two people listen to it, I mean, (laughs) no shade, no shade, more than two people listen to it. So thank you guys so much for listening, but I'm just doing it because it's fun and I like it. Same with my YouTube, same with anything that I create. I try my absolute hardest to just do it because I want to do it. And not because it's getting me money or it's making me seem cool and all this stuff. You know, screw that. Why can't we just have fun with life? All right, moving on. I want to tell you guys the biggest thing that I took away from this book that changed my life. (laughs) quite the intro but let's get into it this chapter it's under the section persistence it's called have an affair and when I read this when I was whatever 15 16 I was shook it completely changed my outlook and I I refer to this this feeling and this attitude when it comes to making stuff all the time so I'm going to read the two pages 160 and 161 she says why do people persist in creating even when it's difficult and inconvenient and often financially unrewarding that is the bullseye bingo big question of all of this and it's the thing that I struggle with a lot so let's get into it Elizabeth Gilbert writes they persist because they are in love they persist because they are hot for their vocation let me explain what I mean by hot you know how people who are having extramarital affairs always seem to manage to find time to see each other in order to have wild transgressive sex It doesn't seem to matter if those people have full-time jobs and families at home to support. They still somehow always manage to find the time to sneak off and see their lover, no matter what the difficulties, the risks, or the costs. Even if they get only 15 minutes together in a stairwell, they will take that time and they will make out with each other like crazy. If anything, the fact that they have only 15 minutes together somehow makes it all even hotter. When people are having an affair, they don't mind losing sleep or missing meals. They will make whatever sacrifices they have to make, and they will blast through any obstacles in order to be alone with the object of their devotion and obsession, because it matters to them. Let yourself fall in love with your creativity like that and see what happens. Stop treating your creativity like it's a tired, old, unhappy marriage, a grind, a drag, and start regarding it with the fresh eyes of a passionate lover. Even if you have only 50 minutes a day in a stairwell alone with your creativity, take it. Go hide in that stairwell and make out with your art. 
You can get a lot of making out done in 15 minutes, as a furtive teenager can tell you. Sneak off and have an affair with your most creative self. Lie to everyone about where you're actually going on your lunch break. Pretend you're traveling on a business trip when secretly you're retreating in order to paint or to write poetry or to draw up the plans for your future organic mushroom farm. Conceal it from your family and friends. Whatever it is you're up to, slip away from everyone else at the party and go off to dance alone with your ideas in the dark. Wake yourself up in the middle of the night in order to be alone with your inspiration while nobody is watching. You don't need that sleep right now. You can give it up. What else are you willing to give up in order to be alone with your beloved? Don't think of it all as burdensome. Think of it all as sexy. You guys. <laughs> I'm just imagining myself as like a 15 year old being like, I'm in love with film. <laughs> oh my gosh. And reading that again, it kind of makes me think it's a little childish. But I, th- I think most of life is literally just trying to get back to that state of when you're a kid and which is weird and reverse psychology like I don't even know what's going on but it does seem like all the joys and like the key to living an amazing life is just to try your best to go back to when you're a kid and the thoughts that you thought when you're a kid and just the innocence and we just all get so messed up by seeing all the bad things that happen in the world and having all these bad experiences that make us view the world through those those bad experiences without just seeing every day with fresh eyes like we know nothing (laughs) but it really just goes to show that if you want to do something if you love something if you are full-fledged in on an action or an endeavor you can make it happen bro no excuses for that and you can think of it as kind of like spicing up your life so i just wanted to share that piece and now we're going to go on to originality versus authenticity because i think i am the most unoriginal person on the planet let's get into it On page 97, it says, So what if we repeat the same things? So what if we circle around the same ideas again and again, generation after generation? So what if every new generation feels that same urge and asks the same questions that humans have been feeling and asking for years? We're all related after all, so there's going to be some repetition of creative instinct. Everything reminds us of something, but once you put your own expression and passion behind an idea that idea becomes yours. Anyhow, the older I get, the less impressed I become with originality. These days, I'm far more moved by authenticity. Attempts at originality can often feel forced and precious, but authenticity has quite resonance that never fails to stir me. Just say what you want to say then and say it with all your heart. Share whatever you are driven to share. If it's authentic enough, believe me, it will feel original. Oh! That was so good. I love how she puts that. This whole idea of nothing nothing is original if you think about it. I mean, unless you're like Adam and Eve, but we are not. Everything that I think, everything I do, 
everything I wear, show, like, it's all been done before. It's all, (laughs) you know, just think about how fashion trends are reoccurring over and over time and time again. The fact that people wear yoga pants right now like who would have known who would have known the whole like scrunchy phase every i mean there are countless examples of reoccurring things in fashion but just the idea of thought what um, i mean i think what elizabeth gilbert thinks because i read this book and she thinks what she thinks because of what someone else thought so we're all just I don't know. Nothing is ever original, it feels like. So I find a little bit of comfort in thinking about that. And if you're ever like, huh, this is not original at all. Chances are it's probably not original, but there's nothing bad about that. And it's it's actually an amazing thing. I think, I mean, I'm going through kind of a stage in learning how to paint and draw and everything right now and I'm doing a lot of copying like straight up copy copy and paste type of creations right now and part of me is like oh I feel like I shouldn't be doing this but you know you need to copy stuff to learn and I think that's a another huge lesson is that The only way to learn is to, like, literally copy people. I don't know if you're learning how to write. Literally write exactly like your favorite author for a bit of time. And then you can write exactly like someone else. And then you can write exactly like someone else. And then, finally, once you've written, like, all of them, then you can sort of combine and tweak. And, like, that's how you can figure out your own little twist and spin on things. It's so, so important. I mean, obviously, when you're doing the copying, give credit if it's heavily, heavily inspired by someone else. (laughs) Don't just copy people's work and whatever. That's not cool. Always give credit and everything. Don't, you know, say that you made that if you didn't actually make it. You know what I mean? Obviously, pay your respects and your dues. But it's important. Everyone copies. And that's that. Okay, we're moving on to two big themes as well that I thought were interesting. On page 174, there's a little subchapter about nobody's thinking about you, which is something that I just feel like I need to mention. We all need a reminder that literally no one was ever thinking about you ever, and it's all in your head. I definitely need that phrase drilled into my mind because why do I think that people actually care about what I'm doing and stuff (laughs) like I'll post something on Instagram and feel like I went up on stage and made a speech for the entire United States when in reality no one gives a frick about what I post oh my gosh why do I care so much it's literally I'm just the most mundane, irrelevant thing on the planet. And here I am thinking that people actually care about what what I'm doing. <laughs> I like how she says, 
She has this quote about, um, here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it. Uh, we all spend our 20s and 30s trying so hard to be perfect because we're so worried about what people will think of us. Then we get into our 40s and 50s and we finally start to be free because we decide that we don't give a damn that anyone, what anyone thinks of us, but you won't be completely free, free until you reach your 60s and 70s. When you finally realize this liberating truth, nobody was ever thinking about you anyhow. Bro, we need to stop being insecure. And I'm just going to try and shove all that, all that insecurity out of me. Because I'm so sick of caring what people think. I'm so sick of it. Like, it ah, drives me crazy. But I don't know why every day I'm like, still, it's still in my brain. Like, oh my gosh, people are going to think this about me. Like, why? I just want that part of my brain to be not there anymore so i guess it just takes time (laughs) i don't know um moving on from that quick little reminder we have done is better than good which is on the next page and this is an interesting concept because i struggle with perfectionism i mean not really actually i wouldn't say i'm a perfectionist because I know some people who are, oh, a thousand million trillion percent of perfectionists. That's not necessarily my vibe. I'm much more laid back. But I do have this perfectionism before I start something. I'll be like, oh, it's not the right time. It's not, it's, I'm not in the best mood. <laughs> like before I was recording this, I was like, eh, I don't really want to record today. I think I'm, I think I'm not, I'm going to be in a better mood tomorrow. Like, no, you're not, Paige. Wake up, bro. You're going to say this every day. So, like, I'm a procrastinating perfectionist, if that makes sense. I think that if I do something later, it will be more perfect than if I do it now, kind of. <laughs> Which, in turn, now that I'm saying it out loud, I'm literally just a lazy piece of crap. But um, I like this quote from General George Pat pattern in the book and he says a good plan violently executed now is better than a perfect plan executed next week which goes along with this thing that i was listening to in the car i honestly i don't know where it was from but if you make a decision you get immediate feedback so it's more important to just make a decision than to hem and haw blah 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 what if this happened what if that like no if you just make a decision you press send you press, you you dial the number to call someone. If you just do it, do the first step, things will trickle down and you will, something immediately will happen afterwards. You know what I mean? The, every time you do an action, there's a reaction. Not to get all science whatever the heck that falls under physics, I don't even know you learn a lesson immediately and it's like more productive in a sense you might think oh what if i make the wrong decision well then you know it's the wrong decision and then you can move forward it's important to know that you can't be afraid of making mistakes bottom line say you're doing a painting oh i don't know if i want to paint this background green if you paint it green you'll know immediately if it's good or not (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, your question is answered. And it's also, I think, crucial to keep in mind that 
you can always change something a little bit and nothing will ever be truly perfect and not flawed when it's done you know you can like when i'm making my videos you can always edit just a teeny bit more you can always 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 edit more and that's something that's a little little hard for me because i'm like oh i want to tweak this a little bit i want to do this i want to blah blah but it comes to a point where it's like it's you know you're just changing it a teeny tiny bit and that no one will even notice (laughs) um and she talks about when you're writing a book you know you can you can always change it a little bit or blah 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 and there's always going to be edits but it's just there's a certain time when you have to say it's done it's you need to put it out in the world before things go downhill (laughs) that's another thing you can also ruin something if you go way too far with it which is a whole nother fear in and of itself and just I think it's more valuable to produce quantity over quality and I know that's that's a bit controversial I feel like the whole idea of quality versus quantity most people I feel like would say in everything in life quality is better than quantity but I think in terms of creation I don't know actually now that I'm thinking about this I'm kind of I'm kind of hemming and hawing right now I think in the beginning when you're first starting something quantity is a thousand percent more important than quality because the more you do something the more you learn but I think there is kind of a certain shift when you want to start honing in your skills and becoming a master at what you do you know but that they say it takes you 10 years to become a master at anything so you got a long ways if you have just started something (laughs) um but i'm trying to think is there anything else in this book that struck me let's read the conclusion because i thought it was super cute and a nice way to condense everything into one little page she says in conclusion creativity is sacred and it's not sacred what we make matters enormously and it doesn't matter at all we toy alone and we are accompanied by spirits we are terrified and we are brave art is a crushing chore and a wonderful privilege only when we are at our most playful can divinity finally get serious with us Make space for all these paradoxes to be equally true inside your soul, and I promise you can make anything. So please calm down now and get back to work, okay? The treasures that are hidden inside you are hoping you will say yes. Aww, so cute, bro. This whole idea of paradoxes kind of going along with the When Things Fall Apart, which is the book I talked about in the last episode, episode number one. Um, Life is up and down, zigzag, right, left, black, white, smooth, rough. (laughs) I'm trying to think of opposites. I don't know. Everything is changing, oscillating. Just go out there, chase your dreams, guys. Y'all are amazing. Um, There's good and bad with everything. And when it comes down to it, creating stuff is just creating stuff there it's it's not really important but it is so important on the other hand 
which may sound confusing and everything is slightly confusing in life but at the same time everything is simple (laughs) yo i'm going crazy guys someone someone help me all right we we need to be done i need to stop talking hope you guys have an awesome amazing day i am going to go downstairs and eat some granola i'm really in the mood for granola but i don't think we have milk so i'm gonna be pissed if we go down there and there's no milk but peace and blessings guys love you And I'll see you all in the next episode. I think I'm going to upload on Tuesdays. Don't hold me to that because I'm flaky AF. So we'll see. Love you guys. Bye.